Hey Life Canton, Roger here, one of your pastors. So glad that you're joining us, whether you're a first-time listener or someone who listens to us every week. I want to remind you of a couple opportunities. One, to support the mission of God at this church and what he's doing in this community. And one of the ways you can do that is by giving financially to support what he is up to. And you can do that at our Life Church Canton website or at our Church Center app. Either one of those are great places to give. Also want to remind you that we believe that you belong and that we want to be in community with one another. And one of the ways that we can help you get into this community is by filling out a connect card. And you can do that also at the Church Center app. So fill one of those out, let us know who you are, and we'll be sure to reach out and make sure that you start to get connected here. Uh, but you are about to hear week two of our series, Recalling Thoughts and Prayers. And this week, we're going to have a very special guest, someone that you may have heard before if you've listened to us for a while, uh, Pastor Vis- Vincent Tinch. Uh, he's a great speaker, and we love having him. So give him a listen, and I'll catch up with you in just a moment. My goodness, don't get me started. You know it don't take much to get me started. It's not my first time here, people. God bless you. Life Church Canton, make some noise. Hey, listen, that's good for me. Now let's make some noise for our amazing God. Make some noise for Jesus. Woo! Oh, my goodness, my goodness. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Vincent I'm a servant of God. Just so excited to be here again. I'm always excited. I'm always honored every time. I don't know why you guys keep inviting me back, but I'm just grateful that you do. Amen. <laughs> and I am not alone. Am I ever alone? I always bring the, group, the crew with me, right? I got my beautiful wife who was rocking down in her lion's gear over there with me. And then I got my, my beautiful daughters, the four of them. You know, we call them Tinch Nation. They're there. And, and guess what? We got some, some guests with us today. We got some friends with us. We got Sean. We got Carlton. We got Sharita. Thank you so much for making the drive and coming with us. <clears throat> I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, I started to wear um, a shirt that had, like, division champions on it. But then I decided not to get that shirt because I believe that we can go a little further. Come on. <laughs> Somebody say, Go Lions. All right, listen, before we get started today, um, I want to ask you guys a favor. You already know what the favor is, right? I want to ask you to take your phone out in church, right? Uh, If you know where the Facebook page is, it's Life Canton, right? Uh, Go to the Facebook page. Right now, we are streaming this service online as well as in person. This is one of those beautiful gifts that we got out of the pandemic. We have the ability to reach more than just the people inside these walls. I want you to go there and I want you to share that link. I'm I'm asking you to share that link to your page, please, Um, because when you do that, you'll become what we call in the Life Church family a digital evangelist. The importance of that is this. This is the easiest way to bring the people that you love in contact with the life-altering, life-changing Word of God. Because we believe that there's no way you can come in contact with the Word of God and leave the way you came. If you believe that, make some noise. Amen. 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 So this is what you do. You go ahead and take your phone out. And what I'm going to do is you can share while I pray. It's okay. I'm giving you permission. Share it while I pray. Father, right now, I just want to pray for our time together. Um, We thank you, God, for another opportunity to get into your word, to delve deep into the mysteries, the known mysteries, God. We thank you so much for leaving this direction for us, God. May we treat it the way it's meant to be treated. May it be pinnacle in our lives. 
as we go into it, God, may we receive the seed from it. Uh, may it be watered as we go throughout our day-to-day life. And may it cause an increase so that it be evident in the way that we live. We ask right now, God, that everything that goes forward today that is truthful, we ask that it's helpful. And most of all, we ask that it's pleasing in your sight. In Jesus' name we pray. Let every glad heart say amen. I'll pray for you. I'll pray for you. Have you ever heard somebody say this before? Better yet, in the absence of not knowing what to say, have you ever used this? Let's take it a little bit further. Have you ever heard this said to you or said it to someone else without any intention of actually carrying out the prayer that follows? That's what we're dealing with in today's series, Thoughts and Prayers. We're dealing with when you take something as powerful as prayer and diminish it to cliché. Clichés are catchy. Hey, you like that tune? (laughs) Clichés are catchy, especially church ones. Watch this. I need you guys to work with me, okay? God is good. Yeah, y'all been with y'all. Y'all with me? And all the time. See, clichés are catchy, but they have a problem. Over time, they are overused and they seem to lose their power. Uh, Here's my observation. Watch this. Clichés become cliché because they are powerful and they they deliver the desired result in the proper context. And that's when the issues start. People see the desired result and they want to copy the result. So what they do is they go grab the cliché and they continue to use it out of context. And it looks like it's losing its effectiveness. It looks like it's losing its power. But I got good news for you. Clichés are still powerful. God is good all the time. Prayer is important, especially prayer for others, which is why Paul commands, if we can bring up the verse here, in Ephesians 6, verse 18, stay alert and be persistent. In your prayers for all believers everywhere, because the power of praying for others, I'm sorry, because there is power in praying for others. We're going to use that as our subject today. There is power in praying for others. Growing up in church, there was a huge emphasis in my body in praying for others. We had this thing that we called the prayer list. Anybody ever heard of prayer list? We had this thing called the prayer list. What, what this was, the prayer list served as a tangible way for the congregation to express their love, concern, and solidarity for the members who were going through a tough time. So what would happen is the people would come together, and it, they were, it was a framework for us to have organized intercession. Intercession means intercede, means to pray for another person. We didn't call it intercession. We had the big words. We just called it the prayer list, all right? We had the prayer list, and it ensured that we made sure that those individuals who was going through, that their needs were not overlooked. 
And in order to make sure that it was effective, in order because we believed in prayer so much, we believed that as long as we prayed that God was going to answer our prayer, we made sure we brought that prayer list before the congregation as much as we could. On Sundays, we would break out the prayer list, and we would read during altar call, we would read every name off the list, and we would pray for those individuals. Then we would come back together on Wednesday for prayer meetings. Somebody laughing because they, they've been to a church like this. On Wednesdays, yes, I got my amen back. I hear the amen, okay? Listen, on Wednesday, we would come back together in prayer meeting. And in prayer meeting, we would read all those names again, and we would make sure we pray for those names because we believed in the power of prayer. And we were so bold in believing that God was going to answer our prayer that every first Sunday we had what? What's back there in my amen corner? Testimony service, yes! I, I told you I knew I heard the amen. We had testimony service where we would bring the individuals who had been prayed for and they would come in front of the congregation and they would testify to the goodness of God and thank everyone for praying for them. And you're talking about a good time. I'm talking about we would be praising God in that place because this was the display of the power of God. But not only that, more importantly for today, it was a display of the power of praying for others. Because here's the truth. Praying for others is foundational to a believer's life. The truth. It's going to be right there in a second. It's, it's coming. Gotta go back one. There we go. <laughs> Praying for others is foundational to the believer's life. That's why Paul says in 1 Timothy 2.1, he says this. Now you can go back to that scripture that you just had up there. I urge you, first of all, first of all, pinnacle, number one, most importantly, to pray for all people. Why does Paul put so much emphasis on praying for others? Why is it so important that we make sure that we pray for other people who are around us? Well, let's come back to the text for today, since we're dealing with Ephesians, right around Chapter 3, Paul tells us the reason why he's writing Ephesians. And in that, what he tells us is that he believes that he has the revelation of truth. What he has is the mystery of the Messiah. What he, God, what he's saying is that God has revealed in him what the, really, what the real truth is. He said there's a lot of people who are dealing with life, who are thinking that they're perceiving reality. But what they're seeing is a lie. But what God has revealed to him is his plan to bring all men together. To bring them together. No Jew, no Gentile, no Greek. Bring them together under the Messiah. Before there was the law, and the law served as a barrier that, that separated us from everyone else. But then there was Jesus who superseded the law and brought us all together into one people, one family. And then what he continues to express in there is that what he sees happening is a cosmic battle. And in this cosmic battle, there are these two, let's call it the battle of the titans. What he sees is what he calls powers. If you're reading through Ephesians, now listen. I've been studying Ephesians, I think I started in like in December, up until now. It's, man, Paul gets trippy, okay? 
So I'm just, I'm trying to simplify some very complex things so that we all can walk away with something, okay? Walk with me. He has these things that he calls powers. Powers above the earth and powers in the earth, right? And he loops them all together into one thing called powers. The powers above the earth put you back like into Genesis where he talks about what God talks about. He put the sun over the day. He put the moon over the night to rule over the night. Well, I thought God ruled over the earth. What do you mean you have a sun that's ruling and a moon that's ruling? These are powers. God has made these things very powerful. Think about the power of the moon. The moon is what causes the tidal in the water because of the gravitational pull on the moon. Nobody would doubt that the sun itself is powerful. If the sun went out, it said we'll have only eight more minutes of light before it all starts getting really cold over here. There's power. There's so much power. The, the rain, there's power in these things. And what's happening is, is he sees that individuals are subject to the powers of those people, but people who are under the Messiah are not subject to those powers. We are subject to who supersedes those powers. We're subject to God. But some people have started to worship those powers. And because they worship those powers, they're subject to what those powers need. And then he talks about the powers in the earth. The powers of evil people. The powers of wicked people. Uh, uh, No matter whether it's the person who's misusing someone. um, No matter whether it's a corrupt government. No matter whether it's a corrupt police department. He's showing you that all of these things are cosmic sin. There's a cosmic enemy. And they're all working together for the enemy. Jesus also believes the same thing. Jesus, when he was talking to the individuals uh, who were going against him, he said, you belong to your father, the devil, and what you are doing is trying to make his will come on the earth. So there is this cosmic enemy. Remember, the enemy is not the person, right? It's the principalities in high places. It's the powers. The enemy, we never have an enemy that is a person. The enemy is the power, which is why we love the people but hate the power. Amen? And what Paul sees is he sees how God is bringing us all together into one family in order to battle against the cosmic sin. And he uses language to show this, right? He shows us that he sees that the unity that we need to have as a family, how important it is. He calls us a tree. He calls us a temple, a temple where the Holy Spirit lives. Uh, And most importantly, he calls us the body of Christ. And so what that does is lets us know that we are all one. And since we're all one, watch this. This is the revelation that comes out of that. Here's the truth. Since we are all one, when you pray for other believers, you're praying, you're actually praying for yourself. We're one body fighting one goal. When one of us wins, all of us wins. When one of us hurts, all of us should hurt. And we ought to be taking that before God in order to get that change as quickly as humanly possible. Because we are all one. It's, re- it's important that we remember to pray one for another. Watch this. Jesus highlighted this in the model prayer. Do y'all remember him highlighting it? Let's make it clear. In the model prayer, when, when the disciples came to Jesus, they said, Jesus, these are individuals coming to him. Hey, Jesus, teach us how to pray. Did he say, my father? Mm. He said, our father. You see that? Praying, not just for ourselves, 
but making sure that we pray for others. He continues on, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. These are two very weird statements. Why do I need to pray for your kingdom to come and for your will to be done? Why do I, why did you give me the need or the responsibility to pray for these things? And the beauty of this is this, what we find out is through praying, praying for others gives us the power to pursue our purpose. Our purpose is to make his kingdom come. Our purpose is to make sure that his will is done. The, the praying itself gives us the power to pursue our purpose. He says, give us this day our daily bread. God gives us what we need in order to go and pursue that power. God chooses us who don't deserve it to do his will, the creator of the universe who sits above everything, who created everything, who created the heavens, who created the earth, looks down at me who can't even stop eating sugar. And trust me, why? When you look back at Abraham, what did he say? He said, I will bless the entire earth through you and your family. But let me show you how crazy that really looks. Because think about sin. So sin is anything that you decide that's not in line with the way God thinks. Look at how crazy free will really is. So as long as every decision you make is the exact same decision that God would make, you're not sinning. Raise your hand if you've never made a decision that God would not make. You see how impossible it seems? It seems like sin is going to win. It seems impossible. Like, God, how in the world are you going to be able to use me to get that will done when it looks impossible? It looks like sin is going to win. How do you get people who have free will to give up their free will? He said, it's only if I can get people like you. People who will look at the big picture. People who realize that they don't deserve what God is doing for them. Israel didn't deserve it. The Gentiles didn't deserve it. No one deserves God's grace. But we got to look at that and see the gift of grace. To look at a God who realized that we were letting him down. Who realized that we were spitting in his face. And he still said that I love you and I, I accept you into my family. We have to look at that gift. Acknowledge that it's a gift. The grace of God. And we have to respond to the gift by resurrecting our will for his. Paul realized this and it moved him to prayer. Man, y'all got to read chapter 3, okay? Listen, promise me you're going to read Ephesians chapter 3. It's amazing. The prayer, he gets into that prayer. The prayer is phenomenal. He's praying that we can see the vastness of the love of God, how much he truly loves us, that we'll be filled with his spirit and that we'll be moved by his spirit to go out and do the work, that we'll come together and be united as one, no Jew, no Gentile. We see him pulling us together despite our differences, pulling us together in one, in one body and giving us a call that we don't deserve. And if anybody understands a call that they don't deserve, it's Paul. Paul himself, for those who don't know, was the person who persecuted Christians. He killed Christians. And now, here he is. The person who was killing Christians is now the chief person in charge of making sure that that belief gets out. He realizes that he doesn't deserve his calling. He is a model for the model prayer. Because right after, what's the next part of the model prayer? It's I forgive as you forgive. Right? Forgive me my sins as I forgive those who sinned against me. 
That's the next part, right? So what, we, what do we see in there? We see what, what this is modeling for us if we, if we look at this from a, a larger scope. Because remember, we're, this is us praying um, not for an individual, but praying as a group. What we're seeing is that the model prayer itself is this. It promotes unity. Prayer for others promotes unity. Because we're all going to have our differences. Understand this. Paul is dealing with a church that has one foot in culture and one foot in the church. They all have different beliefs. Some of them have been worshiping the moon. Some of them have been worshiping the stars. Some of them have been praying to stones. They have different backgrounds, different things that get on each other's nerves. And what does Paul say? He says this, that we have to create allowances for each other. What, what Paul is saying is that he realizes that sometimes there are going to be people in church that get on your nerves. Everybody look straight ahead. <laughs> Do not look at anybody at this part of the sermon because it might be mistaken. <laughs> Paul understood the importance of us coming together in unity and focusing on our mission. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. It's not about me. And when I can understand that it's not about me, that's when I can set aside every weight that does easily beset us. Every distraction can be set aside because I realize it's not about me. It's about God and his will. It's about unifying the body of Christ. We are all one. In a cosmic battle. And the only way we win is if we are praying one for another. Because praying for another person, watch this, actually is the act that promotes unity. Because if I am going to pray for you, I have to have empathy. I have to put myself in your shoes and understand what you're going through, right? And I have to love you beyond the thing that is offending me. I have to be slow to take offense. My goodness, there's power. Somebody say there's power. There's power in praying for others. So here's the question. How do we engage those powers? Right? So the problem with cliches was what? That you took the cliche out of context. Right? And then that's where it looks like it loses its effectiveness and power. But if you take it and put it back in context, you can realize the power of it. Let's do that same thing with our text today. Right? We were in Ephesians 6, and immediately preceding um, that verse, and what we're going we're gonna to look at the context of that. And what we see there is that they're talking about the armor of God. Right? When you read throughout Ephesians, if you're not aware, Paul continuously um, quotes Isaiah. And this is no exception. Okay? What Paul has done is he's taken two Isaiah texts. Okay? He's taking one that deals with God's armor. If you want to have a good time, it's in Isaiah 59, okay? He's taking one that deals with God's armor, and then he's taking another one that deals with the seed of David. Now, where's that one at? The goat. The goat. Anybody know the goat that was named Isaiah? What number did he wear? Isaiah Thomas. 11. Chapter 11, okay? Good time, 59. Goat in 11, Okay? Y'all got it? That's where you go find it when you want to study it after this, okay? He takes both of these scriptures, right? He takes, so God is in Isaiah 59, and what he realizes is that sin is overtaking his people, and that they're being damaged by sin, and they're being separated, and he puts on his armor, and he goes and fights for the people. And then what you see is the Messiah, the Messiah himself, putting on his armor so he can go and suffer for the people. He takes both of those things, puts them together, 
into our verse and calls it the armor of God. He gives us more clarity over in Romans when he says that when we're putting on our armor, it's like we're putting on Christ. Us as a collective body, we're here putting on the armor of God. So I want you to think of it in the plural, us as a big body, not us as an individual, because that's what we often do when we look in Ephesians. We say, I have to put on the armor of God. No, we. We have to put on the armor of God. So now, if we look at our verse uh, with the Greek, in the Greek, um, I know that our verse is in 18, but in the Greek, 17 and 18 are one sentence. So what I want to do is I want to read verse 17. Oh, my man. I want to read verse 17. <laughs> I want to read verse 17 into, into, your, into you because I think it's going to give some depth to our conversation. Is that okay? All right, real quick. We're almost there. Y'all can go see the lions in a minute. All right, listen. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. So what I want to pay attention to here is the wording here. So when I see this, um, we get two pieces of the armor in this one sentence, and this is what happens preceding prayer. Before you pray, this. Okay? Right? And this is really amazing. When I was studying, I was like, wow, look at that. Because helmet, helmet, I think, protects your, your mind. Right? That's your, that's, your, that's, your, that's, your, that's your brain, right? Your mind and how you think. In other words, what, is, what I feel like it's saying to me is change the way you think before you pray. Okay? Okay? Watch this, watch this. Then it says, and take your sword. This sword here is a small, a small short sword. It's an action item. An action, right? It's so you can advance and that you can win the battle. That's what the sword is, right? So what it's telling me right here is change the way you act before you pray. Do you hear what I'm saying? Y'all, y'all with me so far? Change the way you think and the way you act before you pray. Now watch this. It says the sword itself is the word of God. So the way I change the way that I think and I act means that I ought to be consulting the Word of God. That all my actions should be coming from the Word of God. That they should be leading my actions and that I should let it flow through me. uh, So let prayer itself flow for me with a godly mindset. Right? I should be promoting that when I'm I'm in the Word of God. The next one. There we go. (laughs) What I should be promoting... In myself, is an intentional focus with the connectivity uh, to God to move from, guess, watch this, from culture to Christ. From culture to Christ. I, it reminds me of my favorite, my favorite, one of my favorite, my Old Testament favorite, favorite chapter. It's in um, Psalms 1. Let's bring it up. Watch this. You're going to see it here. Blessed is the man, I, I put the King James Version, I grew up Baptist, that's what we use. Right, <laughs> Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. He changes the way he thinks. You see that? He's not, he's not listening to the, what the world's saying. He's not listening to culture. He's changing the way he thinks. Watch this. Nor, nor stands in the way of sinners. The way, what they're doing. Changing the way I act. Do y'all see that? Or, or sits in the seat of, of scoffers. I'm changing the way I act. That's two ways of acting. Come on, let's go to the next one. But his delight is in the law of, he's in the word of God. It's in the word of God is the reason. He, that's what he's allowing to flow through his life because he is meditating in the word of God day and night. This is the way you change from culture to Christ by meditating through the word of God, which will lead you into changing the way that you think and that you act. 
in order to engage the power of praying for others. All right, so next, to get our next idea, let's go back to our verse. Our verse here. Oh, no, you were right. No, that was right. Go back. We're good. In verse 18, it says, stay alert. Stay alert. We must stay alert. Now, this one is very personal to me, okay? This is one that I teach in my house all the time. Tension Nation is probably sick of this. Um, what I'm saying here is when, stay alert is promoting spiritual awareness. So I, I, I choose a different tact at parenting. Oftentimes what you hear, um, if you hear somebody, I don't want to, some people take their kids away from things that are bad, right? Um, but instead I expose my kids and teach them how to tell the difference, okay? I, so I want them to understand that there's spiritual warfare and I want them to gain discernment, right? I know this is tough because it's dealing with parenting. I want to take my time and be um, gracious here, okay? I want them to see that we're in a spiritual battle, and I want them to see it, how it affects all of our media, everything that they're seeing in TV. They probably get sick of me. I say, y'all see that? That's witchcraft right there. Y'all see that? That's demonic right there. But y'all see that? It's in everything. And they expose it to kids at a very young age because they want you to be comfortable with black magic. They want you to be comfortable with witches and the way of the world. They want you to be comfortable with, they, I mean, I'm a Marvel fan. Anybody else a Marvel fan? Y'all realize that all of them are Roman gods, right? But I don't stop watching Marvel. I love Marvel. Do you hear what I'm saying? Like, because false gods don't have more power than our God, right? What am I going to do? Am I going to stop living? Am I going to stop saying the days of the week? Every day of the week is named after a Roman God. Thursday is Thor's day. Am I, I going to stop living on Thursday? How many know that God has power over every day? So I teach my kids to see the spiritual battle so that and, and they, so they can become people who stand with one feet in culture and one foot in the church so that they can become the type of people who can promote unity, who can bring individuals into the church and be the, the type of people who grow up and bring the body into unity. Amen? We must stay alert. I almost put stay woke there, but then some people would stop listening to me. <laughs> All right, let's go to the next one. We must be persistent. Watch this, it says, and be persistent. Y'all see it in the verse, right? Um, persistent, watch this. Um, persistent meaning to be consistent, right? Anybody understands that in a relationship you have to be consistent, right? If I, didn't, if I continually failed to show up for April 10th, she would not have been my, my baby for the last 26, going on 27 years. You hear what I'm saying? Have to have some consistency. That's just, that's just basics of relationship. But also, in, with this, our consistency shows our dependency on God. Do you hear that? Consistency shows our dependency. Because when we're not consistent with God, what we're doing is living from ourselves. And we start to boost up ourselves. We start to idolize ourselves and start to idolize our own decisions and our, our own mindset. And we know that our mind itself, we said it. How many people always make every decision that God told them to make? It was, it was, I didn't see a hand go up. So if we're not consistently leaning on God and getting his word, then what we're going to start doing is we're going to start deviating and creating our own realities and our own truths. So we've got to set a clear intention to be consistent, to be persistent, 
um, and not only persistent, but also persistent in the prayers uh, for all believers. Our prayers have to expand beyond our personal context, right? Because we realize now, since we are, our eyes have been opened, that it's not about us, it's about him, and we are all one body. And the only way that we win the battle is if the entire battle, the entire body has to win the battle. So we're praying for the entire body. Praying for others is more important than you ever thought, huh? Praying for others is more important than you ever imagined. Let's engage that power. So here's my challenge. My challenge for you. Um, I want you to take your prayer to the next level. I want you to put prayer in its proper context. I want you to move it from cliche back into a position of power. Since you're changing the way that you're thinking, that you act, and you're starting to live according to Scripture, start to include Scripture in your prayer. Start to show your awareness of the spiritual world. Start praying for God, um, for his will to get done, despite the wickedness that you see everywhere. Thank him for choosing you. Using his grace to choose you, despite the fact that you don't deserve it. Continue to take every issue, every issue of the body to him in prayer. Because you show your consistency is starting to show your dependency. That's why it says pray without ceasing. That's what's necessary so we don't diverge. Keep on. Pray for understanding. Pray for God's will above our will. Give your will up for his. And evaluate that consistency. Set a time. Like, even my students, you can do this. You can set a time that you're praying. Right now, the church itself has a challenge out to everybody, right? We're supposed to be praying every day at noon. Every day. Set, your clock. set it right now. Set it for noon, and let's start praying together. And second, pray for the global church. Pray for the upcoming election. That, you know, despite our political differences, that the body remains united. No matter which side the aisle you fall on. Because this election, it could be tumultuous, but not if the body stays together. Pray. So this is the thing. Sometimes I, I lose fact of the fact, I lose, I lose sight of the fact that we're in the 1%, right? Um, what did I mean by that? 1%. Um, that we have creature comforts that allow our living to be more comfortable than 99% of the people in the world, right? No matter where you are. No matter how, how your life is, living in the United States, you're better than 99. You're living more comfortable, I should say, than 99% of the people in the world. Allow that to engage your empathy, to understand that the rest of the body is going through some things that you couldn't even imagine. Some of them are waking up, and if they were to declare their beliefs, could be beheaded, could be killed. Engage your empathy. Pray for them. Develop a heart for the worldwide believers. Think about, think about those individuals, those persecuted Christians, those missionaries that, are just, that just want to spread the gospel and are in those dangerous lands. And say to them, I'll pray for you. I will pray for you. I will pray for you. Put the power back in the declaration. I will pray. And actually pray. Do you understand what the word of God says when we pray what happens? He said, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, turn from their evil ways, and pray. Then I'll hear from heaven, and I'll heal their land. 
He will reverse the process of sin here on earth. Your prayers have the possibility of healing and changing the world. I will pray for you. That is strong. Prayer will never be cliche. Prayer is powerful. I will pray for you. And we should be praying one for another. I think this is a good time for us to practice that. What y'all think? Yeah. All right. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to bring up um, Pastor Jared, and he's going to lead us into the next part of our service. Yeah. Y'all thank Vincent for being here, inspiring us. Welcome back. What a powerful reminder of the power of not just general prayer, but prayer specifically for other people. So I hope that was an encouragement to you and a reminder of how important it is that we take time to do that in the service. We took time to do that together. So I would encourage you after you finish listening to this podcast to actually take some time uh, out of your day to pray for somebody else. Uh, now that you have been reminded just how powerful that can be and, and how God can move through that. But if there is anything that you are needing prayer for yourself, I would encourage you to indicate that on your prayer cards so that we can be in prayer for one another uh, and so that we can encourage you and support you in any way that we can. So be sure to do that. But I hope you have a blessed, wonderful week. I hope that you receive and give prayers to uh, brothers and sisters in Christ and to the world at general this week. And we'll see you again real soon. Bye.